0: Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're kicking off our end-of-year fundraising drive
1: with a special discount offer from our partner, Heritage Foods USA, an online farm-to-table butcher shop specializing in heritage breed, antibiotic-free meats. Donate to Heritage Radio Network before Sunday, December fourth at heritageradio.network.org/donate,
0: and we'll send you an exclusive discount code for ten percent off all Heritage Foods products. Help ensure another year of great food radio. Get 10% off delicious and sustainably produced meat, and support small family farms all in one
1: shot. How's that for a holiday miracle? Head to heritageradionetwork.org slash donate by Sunday, December 4th to make your contribution. Today's program was brought to you by Roth, Wisconsin, makers of the world's best cheese and pioneers in the U.S. artisan cheese movement. For more information, visit rothcheese.com.
0: I'm Damon Bolte, host of The Speakeasy. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more.
2: Did the blogs really change dining forever? Find out on this episode of Tech Bites. Hello, hello, Heritage Radio Network listeners. I'm sitting in a shipping container in the backyard of Roberta's Pizza in Brooklyn, and that means one thing. It's time for Tech Bites, the weekly radio show where we talk about the intersection of food and technology. And today, sitting across from me in the shipping container is Adam Platt of New York Magazine, who we will be talking about what affect the blogs, Internet, and social media have had on dining and restaurants over the past few years. But before we get into that, we're going to start this episode, like every episode, with a good app and go around the shipping container and talk about apps that we love, like, or have just discovered. Maybe an old favorite that's been on your home screen forever. And we'll start off with Pierre Bien-Aimé, who is our engineer for the day. Pierre, nice to see you.
3: You too. What's cracking? Well, you know, c'est mon, bon. Mm-hmm, hmm Hoping to have
2: some good chats on 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 the air.
3: Yeah, yeah. I actually I'm pretty prepared for this one. Um, if you want me to tell you about the app that I've been using recently,
2: I would love to hear about the app. Yeah, you've been um, using so I don't recently. know if you knew this,
3: but I'm, I'm a total nerd and I've played video games all my life. Uh, So
2: you're a video game nerd?
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Specifically
2: uh, that kind of nerd? Sure. Because there's lots of nerds.
3: I mean, I I, I, I dabble in other kinds, too, actually. (laughs) I'm actually kind of a triple threat. Like, I've played Dungeons & Dragons and all those things, too. Okay. But video games are awesome. And on the subway, I saw someone recently playing a game that I hadn't played in a while. It's called Downwell, uh, and it's really good. And I uh, downloaded it for my phone specifically after seeing that. And I've been playing a little bit since, and I've still yet to beat the uh, final boss.
2: What is it? Um, what kind of game is it? You know, it? it's
3: funny. You could actually, if you wanted to hear it, I could, I could, I could totally play a tiny bit of it. But it's, it's a platformer, meaning, you know, you're like a, it's a two-dimensional game. You are a, a, a little person, and you're jumping around on these little platforms. This is the games, you know, platformers started with, uh, with Mario. I mean, I don't know if they started with Mario, but Mario is the one who really made them happen, Nintendo and all that. But, yeah, so you're jumping around, and, and the, the, the twist here is that instead of moving left to right like you do in the vast majority of these kinds of games, you're moving down.
2: So that's what it, that was the appeal for you that you're moving down on the platform.
3: Th- that and it's just a, it c- controls really well and it's a really good difficult game. A lot of cool mechanics.
2: Okay, say the name again.
3: Downwell, one word.
2: And that is free.
3: Um, I don't think so. Oh, probably a couple bucks. Couple it's, bucks. Uh, it's a good game, you know.
2: So it's worth a couple bucks then. Definitely. Okay. iTunes and Android iPhone and Android?
3: I'm not sure. I'm an iOS user, iPhone, so that's okay. what I have it for. And uh, I think probably Android also. It's pretty popular.
2: Okay, good to know. I am not super hip on the gaming. The only game that I play on my phone is the Japanese cat game, Neko Atsume. <laughs> um, but mm. it's pretty fun. It's it's much easier now that they have, an ing- have had added English to it, because when I first downloaded it from the Japanese iTunes store, it was all in kanji. It was kind of hard to figure out. But I guess that's when you learn how intuitive your instincts are when it comes to video gaming. Yeah, for sure. Adam, do you have an app that you use frequently, like Love?
3: Well,
0: I'm, you know, I'm furiously trying to think of an app that I have. uh, uh, I know your home
2: screen is populated with a bunch of stuff. Oh,
0: I've oh, I've I've got apps everywhere. I am now downloading Downwell, though. Thank you so much.
2: <laughs> you play video games. Janwell? Yeah, well, yeah. Why
0: you pass time? I mean, my, my video games tend to be sort of dated. I mean, I'm still playing Fruit Ninja and things like that. I'm still playing Candy Crush. What is an app that I have liked recently? Um, it is another old app. Uh, but it, I, I find it's... Uh, the weather apps are, uh,
2: are... The weather apps are a big deal. People are obsessed with finding the right deal, one. big deal,
0: but they tend to be a little Imperfect. complicated. And then they have, you know, the feed is some kind of radar. And then there are all these ads and spams. And, and this is one called Dark Sky that my brother turned me on to. And Dark Sky really is just very fast, very quick. Uh, it's, it, it locates where you are very quickly. You can be wherever... And it will show you pretty immediately uh, what the weather's going to be like.
2: And it's hyper-specific to your, Very specific, your and location like, tells with your you, GPS on your phone. And it's
0: really about, like, oh, it's raining now. How long is this going to go on for? Oh, it's about to rain. How long is it going to So you can see. It's, it's, it gives you images. And so you look at them and you go, oh, uh, dark sky.
2: Is it accurate?
0: Yeah. I think so. Dark sky.
2: Okay, Dark Sky, the weather app. It's important to have accurate weather information. It's got, it's got
0: an awesome name, Dark Sky.
2: Yeah, it sounds like it could be a game.
0: Dark Sky, and it's very you know like these. It's very 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 fluid, very easy to use, and it's got a cool name. So uh, Dark Sky. I, again, I don't know how current it is, but I uh, I just downloaded it, and I'm quite taken by it.
2: Well, that's the beauty of digital media and the internet, mm-hmm. and it's something that you know we'll talk about. Right now is that you don't know sometimes when something was published or created because it's new to you. And even now, the way people consume news and media, whether it be Facebook or different media sites, it's all gauged by algorithms sometimes mm-hmm. versus actual chronological order. You could be reading a Adam Platt best pizza article and find out that, oh, my God, it was pizza from 2012. Yeah, know.
0: yeah. Or it's a different Adam Platt. You don't know anything. <laughs> I mean, you really, you really don't know. I mean, but you know, you consume it like, oh, okay. oh, good, okay, oh, God. Yeah. I, I read it on the internet, so you know, it's all part of the sort of washing machine of information that uh, you know, we both uh, turn out as journalists and consume as consumers. And um, you know, obviously, it's affected the restaurant world where I operate uh, in all sorts of crazy ways, uh, and it's it's it just getting. Well, there's two ways of looking at it. Either it's getting crazier because information is speeding up all the time. Uh, There are many more options, many more places to find things. uh, In in the world of restaurants, which is uh, constantly expanding and people are more interested in that world than ever before. So uh, either it's getting crazier or we're getting more acclimated to it. And I think it's a combination of both.
2: I would agree that it's a combination of both. I, I will say or say that I've observed... that with the increase in the just number of media and outlets that talk about food and restaurants specifically, Mm -hmm. we'll stay in the outlets that talk about restaurants Mm -hmm. specifically Mm -hmm. just to kind of call it down a tad.
0: Because I am a restaurant critic. Because
2: you are a restaurant critic, an actual paid professional restaurant critic, not an armchair, self-annoyed.
0: A rarer and rarer thing. Yes. So you are, in fact, sitting across the microphone from a real-life dinosaur.
2: Real-life dinosaur. I'm a
0: real-life dinosaur. Well. All right. We can talk about that later. Yeah. Anyway, yes. So, yeah, that's what I am. And I've been doing it for 15 years now. And
2: I looked through New York Magazine online, and I think the earliest review of yours I found was Anissa in 2000. Yeah,
0: that was the first one I wrote. Yeah. And Anissa's is a wonderful restaurant still there.
2: Amazing. Yeah, still there. Do you remember that first review and the first experience of going in? yeah. What was that like?
0: That's pretty much what it's like now. You know, I mean, I always uh, um, I I came to food writing um, from sort of standard journalism. So I my my way I've always liked to eat food. But but, uh, my my philosophy going in was, uh, especially if you're writing about uh, restaurants in New York City, is to try and um, uh, paint a picture for your audience. So you're, you're really, you're, you are, on the one hand, you're writing service, piece of service journalism because people want to know, well, those people that, that are that are, are going to consume this review, they want to know how to spend their money, some of them. Uh, the majority of them, though, are probably not going to go to Anissa, which is still there, still in the West Village, still a wonderful little uh, restaurant. Still, I think it has Michelin stars at this point. Um, the, 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 um majority of people are really going to read your review just for the vicarious pleasure of it. Like, here I am. Here I am. What's, like what's, travel, what's going similar on?
2: to travel. Travel,
0: log. you know, the, the, the other uh, restaurants were often compared to theater. And in New York, same, same thing, you know. And so, yeah, I, I remember, in is a very polished little restaurant uh, run by a, a very talented chef named Anita Lowe. And, and her partner of that that time and it very sort of looks the way it does now very pointed so I went in. I, I was like wow yeah you know, look at this and, I, and so I took notes in those days I took notes um, under the uh, it scrolled it out of a notepad and I took notes out of the table and I sort of tried to recreate I went there three or four two or three times I think and I tried to you know ended up trying to recreate the scene then I wrote my review and then I, and I moved on
2: Do you remember how you decided on Anissa or how you were culling the information for potential choices? And in
0: those days, um, uh, uh, you still, you don't do it quite the same way. um, But in those days, and still today, uh, uh, restaurants uh, in New York, restaurants that are ambitious restaurants in New York, uh, tend to open uh, like a little like theater, a little like Broadway shows. So the critics all knew about them. They they uh, would uh, they'd have publicity people who would t- send you in those days. They'd send you stuff in the mail and pieces of
2: paper yeah, called you, press kits.
0: Yeah, and you sort through it, and you go through. You'd go to a bunch of restaurants before deciding which one to write about. I decided to write about that one. Because it seemed interesting, I mean, it was. A way back. Uh, but uh, I, I wasn't the only one writing about it. I, uh, even in those days, it was hard for a critic to discover a restaurant in New York. Uh, it happens a little bit, but uh, in, the, in the in the era of the internet, in the era of the blogs, it's, it's almost impossible. Uh, but uh, you know, I sifted through all the information, and I decided, decided to do it to do Anissa um, and. Uh, you know, these days you get all that information almost instantaneously. Uh, if if you don't, uh, people who don't like food blogs, and I, I don't even call them blog—they've got different names now. they are blog, they blog—they're—they're much more mature now. But in the in the early days of bloghood, uh, and especially as the the, the pressures that you know, blogs like Grub Street, which is a New York uh, magazine blog. Uh, which was founded ten years ago. It actually seems like a hundred years ago.
2: It does seem um, like a lifetime.
0: Uh, Eater is the other one. Mm-hmm. Chowhound. Um, as they began be, began to to compete with each other, and as as competition, the competition bred pressure. Uh, you know, whatever they were sent by the PR people would very often just be end up uh, as a as a post. And, uh, you know the all shapes and all forms and all sizes, but uh initially that that that, that kind of the, the, the fodder that you would um, digest privately as a restaurant professional uh suddenly came out into the open and, because uh, it
2: was considered um Sort of a little renegade to to publish information that was previously well, you'd just want to pro- really for the industry you would
0: want to process it a little bit. it was in, this, it, in the industry and you know of course what what the, what the blogs did or what uh, you know what the internet does to pretty much everything is that it takes these these processes which were uh, uh, once upon a time uh, sort of processed by you know these uh, sort of uh, critical um, mandarins. At least that's how you would want to view a, a person like me as this sort of wise mandarin who would process the information and then tell you from his, you know, grand, uh, you know, castle, broadcast what to go do and how to see it. And it's true for all all, all, the, all the critics. But it, it, in, in the restaurant world, it took that uh, that that sort of. You know, the job of the manor has become much much harder so and well, let me just and in, in, in what happened with with the internet is it it took the world of the of the, of the rest of the, of the kitchens and the restaurants and really the, 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 the sort of the culture of the kitchens and it sort of demystified it and put it out in the open
2: so it is definitely demystified and definitely out in the open i would and the the cycle. It's the cycle the same in terms of rushed on opening, information dissemination, the critics and the people and the influencers coming, writing, reporting, the public coming, no, adding all... their two cents. Is it the same cycle? It's just accelerating? Yeah, it's
0: all yeah, it's just all accelerated.
2: Because to me, social media, social media, Instagram, even Yelp seem to be just really accelerated forms of what we used to call or maybe still call the Zagat effect, which was, a few people go. They say this is amazing. Then the people who follow behind them say, "I went and I too found it amazing." Right. And then that perpetuates the amazingness of right. a restaurant, a sense pastry, of,
0: sense of amazingness. Yeah. And which is then sense, we all
2: cycle through that, but it happens much quicker now.
0: It happens almost instantaneously now. And the Zagat effect, you know, Z- Zagat was not re- le- less a critical. Uh, it was. It was the it democratic was a, it's a gathering. It's comp- compilation of of. Yeah. of, of what people think
2: regular people it was sort of you you
0: could call it crowdsourcing yes right but i think it it was somewhat manipulated crowdsourcing but the the main thing that zagat did which was their main genius is it took it took this unruly world and it put it all in one place and so you had this book, which was easy to navigate, and it was done by or you know, whatever it's done alphabet. It put it all in one place. And it, you know, if you if you were an enthusiast, uh, it was a it was a it was a great tool. And of course, what the blogs did is they came along and they did that on, online, and they in a way. And this it's all become mobile, which has become almost is totally instantaneous. And so it used to have. I think it used to be. I think I wrote a story about this about how blogs had changed. It was a post actually. It was pegged to. Um, Tenth anniversary of Grub Street, and uh, uh, you know when, when I started this job, and I say this in the piece, uh, there were a there were many more paid restaurant critics in New York. Um, uh, now the Daily News doesn't have a critic. The, 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 the New York Post uh, has, a, has a restaurant writer, but he's not a critic anymore. So there are but, only there are only a few few paid. Few, but few, you few do critics.
2: have. Paid critics at Eater now. You do. So did they just sort of shift to someplace new?
0: Uh, sort of, yeah. And so you have, you have Eater is a much more mature, uh, moneyed uh, um, uh, food blog these days, thanks in part um, to the fact that they were purchased by uh, Vox, a company called Vox, which no. has, a, has a ton of money. So they mm-hmm. could they could they could put. Uh,
2: I think they're full-fledged media now. To
0: their credit, they put a lot of resources in in, in critics. They have, I think, three working critics now, which is like, you know, more power to them. Anyway, um, uh, when I started, you had critics like whoever was working for the New York uh, York magazine. You had, say, the, the, the Times critics, and you saw yourself really as a a Sort of a miner with a headlamp, sort of shining your headlamp on these discoveries, and then bringing these discoveries back to the uninformed public. Uh, uninformed may be too strong, but like you, you're you're telling you're, you're 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 out exploring this world, and you're bringing back all these goodies, and you're saying here go there, go here, go there. Now, these days, um, your public is much more informed perhaps more informed than you are. Many of them actually like to think they're more informed than you are. And you're really trying to sort of herd people around because they've already heard. I still review restaurants, uh, you know, I try to go to a new restaurant um, a month after it's open, which is, if you ask the restaurateur, is way too early, way too early. But if you ask uh, by, by the standards of... The
2: internet and Instagram,
0: Instagram, Grub Street, anybody—that's too
2: late. You've missed the boat a, it's, entirely. It's
0: a, you know, it's a it's six circles around the sun. It's a, it's a it's an eon, um, but I still I still try to do it. Um, but what you're doing now is you're trying to persuade, or you're trying to, you know, I, I think in the piece I said you're trying to herd people. You're, herd, right. you're hurting you're this 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 chaotic, um, you know, crowd of. Enthusiasts, you're trying to, you're sort of a carnival barker. Say, so go here, go there, and they're all rushing around from place to place.
2: So my question to you is that, you know, in real time, anyone from the professional critic to the magazine editor to the Instagrammer to the, you know, regular person who's just interested in paying attention, in real time, we all have the same information. We can all access the same places and then go running to the restaurant and say, I want the dish that the... Restaurant critic, editor, writer took a picture of and put on mm-hmm. their Instagram feed mm-hmm. and create all of that. Mm-hmm. So we can all kind of consume that information and broadly disseminate it. How important is it to have the context of what that chef was doing 10 years ago or the context of what pizza was like in New York over the last 10 or 15 years? Because what the internet and the immediate media doesn't have i think is that context which you get from the mandarin and the castle the thing that i think the castle has is a good library yeah, of information well, of of things that have happened and the, in the mandarin past.
1: yeah
0: the mandarin might have a sense of, a little sense of history and a different kind of sensibility
2: is that and important i think
0: it's important i, mean, I think it's important um uh, you know the the, the thing about uh, restaurant criticism in particular is that it is and anybody who's done it uh for any length of time will tell you this, uh, it, it's the most subjective of all of the quote-unquote critical, I wouldn't call it disciplines, but it, it, it's just very subjective. It's much when it, book critics and TV critics are all, you know, the book critics are reading the same book, the TV critics are watching the same shows and the movies. They're all, they're, they're, all, they're all starting from the same point of attack. Uh, but in restaurants, the things, as anybody who is in, in the restaurant business can tell you, Uh, the one's experience in a restaurant changes, you know, day to day, minute to minute, hour to hour, depending on how long the place has been open, depending on where you're sitting, depending on whether you like your food well done or rare, depending on, you know, whether the chef is there in the kitchen or is sick or is having a bad day. So there's all sorts of things go into it. And when you're a critic, you know, I think you, you, I, I tell people this and I've talked to other critics and they sort of agree, you're really making an argument, you're making an you're making an argument, you're setting the scene, and you're telling people how to spend their money. You're trying to do that all at the same time. You're also trying to be um, entertaining and trying not to sound absurdly pompous, really. So it's not it's like it's a, it's a, it's like it's 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 harder than it sounds. And I think as a critic, for when you are writing about restaurants, you you want um, to be consistent. And I think that's what... have a system. I think, I think that's what is useful for critics, I mean, for, for the consumer in, the, in this day and age, to find critics who have been around for a while and whose tastes they know. They may not agree with their tastes, but who are consistent. And so I think that's like... That, that, you know, in that sense, uh, you know, uh, you know uh, there, there is... The, the Internet uh, lends it, and the food world in general the internet specific lends itself to all kinds of what you were saying like i came here i had it it was delicious you weren't here
2: i want that I now want i have that. to go and have now, that now and i, I have, have to post my picture but of you it.
0: better have it cuz i already have it Everybody's and it was really it. good i loved it you wasn't have to it great it. we all I love it i can't believe you didn't have it i know it. it's so awesome i was you had here. it a
2: month later it's over yeah
0: it's not the same as when i had it <laughs> and if, and by the way this is a on this is this 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 phenomenon in the food uh, publishing world, the um, food world predates the internet by a long way. It just F-
2: took longer.
0: Foodies are always, that's a big it thing. Just like, took oh, longer we were here. Oh, yeah. Because I, it was I, in print. Yeah, I, you know, oh,
2: yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, oh, oh
0: you, you just went to Spain. Oh, oh, I was there three years ago. Did you go? To, oh, you didn't? Oh, so good. Anyway, so that's going <laughs> on and going on. So, in, in, in a lot of ways, th- you know, in a lot of instagram with mean, Instagram, I like it. It's a, it's a relief. Like, I get to go to all these places that I couldn't go. I follow you know, Mugurits and uh, Dinoma, and uh, you follow, you see what they're cooking. And, you know, it, it, it has opened up this quite, you know, uh, cosseted little uh, holier than thou, that thou world. Uh, it's made it more chaotic, but it's made it more accessible. Um, but what's also happened is that this is, while this has been going on, this sort of democratization of this of this this world, the, the restaurant world is, is democratized. And par- partially because of, of, the, of the Internet, but partially because tastes are changing. A new, new generation of, of eaters have come along who are le- less interested in pomp and circumstance and more interested in good ingredients and more interested in just having, you know, uh, you know I, I call them the Starbucks generation, members of the Starbucks generation. i mean Starbucks is pretty good coffee compared to uh, what their parents were choking right. down in the morning
2: it also is three or four times as expensive
0: it 's more expensive but it 's also like there are all these options it's it 's a lifestyle it 's ro- it's,
2: it's, 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 it's a, it's a lifestyle it 's
0: also like it 's a pampered informed um, uh, you don't want to say millennial, but it's like the, the new generation of eaters are much more. Their parents were um, happy to go to uh, restaurants where the food came from some other country and the, the waitstaff dressed in fancy clothes and talked down to them in funny accents and told them what to eat.
2: Right. Right.
0: Whether it was French or whatever. They're, they don't have time for that. They don't want to do that anymore. They want to have the perfect pork chop done in the perfect way. They want to have a really good hamburger. They want to uh, travel and eat as opposed to travel and see museums. They, they view food in a more uh, sort of eclectic, actually more interesting way. And also what you've had while you have the rise of this this, this new informed generation um the the culture used to be that the culture of the kitchen uh you had this front of the house world these restaurants were were, certainly in new york were run by restaurateurs who maybe they were cooks and maybe they weren't but they they were really trained in the art of
2: service service, hospitality deception eating deception
0: actually (laughs) i mean yes hospitality uh, I've it,
2: never heard deception as one well, of the it, lists. Well, a
0: little bit. It's, it's theater. You know, okay. it, it, it is theater. I, mean, I, don't, I don't mean that in a bad way. It's, it's theater. You know, you're often in those, you know, you're taking a, a not so great cut of whatever it would be for an old fish, and you're, you're cussing it up in all, all sorts like of ways. Like Mario
2: Batali says, we get some stuff, we fix it up, we sell it for more expensive. Well, I'm
0: not quoting Mary on that, but, like <laughs> that, but that is an ancient restaurant. Right. That, that, that happens more than it doesn't happen in the restaurant world. Um, not just in New York, but all over the world But anyway, so you, what you had if In the last, you know And again, it's not just the internet, but the internet has certainly aided it uh, You have the culture Of the kitchen, which is, has, has, it was really sort of a, Really a revolution Has uh, a, the chefs and the chef's culture and the tattoos and the food that the chefs like to eat, a la pork chops, a la burgers, a la steak tartare. Late night. Late night, uh, nose to tail, you know, cow's brains, all that stuff that they used to talk about amongst themselves, the perfect carrot, the, the ingredients, where do I get the perfect stuff? That has all come out into the forefront. The kitchen's in the forefront. Often the kitchen is right there. Right. And you're watching them cook. I mean, and, they're, and they're there, you know, as the, the grand actors on the stage, there's nobody, there's no restaurateur. So that, the wall has come down. And so that, that world, that, that culture um, is, the, is what people are interested in now. And, uh, you know, you have Tom Colicchio, this is separate even from all the shows, but. Uh, um,
2: because it's just capturing the day-to-day life now in real time.
0: And people are fascinated in it. Yeah you know, they they want to know about it. And, uh, are, we,
2: are we still fascinated by it, or is it just part of our day-to-day intel?
0: Well, I think people are interested in it. You know, I think the chef, and, you know, it, it, it's much more common now to have, um, sort of in the 90s, 80s, 90s, you had this phenomenon where you had these superstar chefs, uh, Jean-Georges, uh, Daniel Balloude, and these are chefs who rose up through the ranks of their kitchens right they they basically they're basically products of this incredible darwinian struggle in a kitchen there's no more darwinian environment than a kitchen you have, no. to, you have to you survive on toughness and talent i mean nobody It has, doesn't he,
2: really exist that much anymore it doesn't exist here
0: uh, he, he, you talking about this restaurant here no
2: no i mean in new york in the u.s oh, yeah. and then it well, started to evaporate in france right. when they Change the 35 hour work week. Yeah,
0: I mean, I mean kitchens are still tough places and of it's course. still r- hard running a kitchen. Yep. But you don't, now because of the things we've been talking about, uh, if you were Mary Batali, and Battali's a little different case, but say you're Daniel Balloud. Balloud came from Lyon, worked his way up in the great kitchens of Europe, came here, Plaza uh,
2: Athene, worked,
0: at, worked at Le Cirque here yep. for years and years, and then went off on his own. Mm-hmm. That's not happening anymore. If you're if you're an ambitious Danielle type, you're not. First of all, you don't have to come to New York. It's, it, you can stay in wherever you're from. You can you can be in uh, you know Copenhagen and say Ah, I'm going to start foraging and taking pictures of what I'm foraging, and I'm going to. So you don't have to come to New York. Um, you, you
2: can even be in Charleston or North you, well, Carolina which is, or and a good thing, you Minnesota. Minnesota. You, yeah, be, you can be anywhere, and,
0: you know, it be, and so the the the, the audience uh, these days, thanks to the internet. Largely, and thanks to this sort of uh, uh, the fact that people the tastes are such that if you go go open a bar restaurant with a good burger uh, in Norfolk, Virginia, say, or a Chinese restaurant in the suburbs of Richmond uh, and it's good. people will find you, then the internet will find you. Because there's this, this is, one of the ironies is that as this sort of super chef culture has died down, uh, I mean, there are great chefs around, but like the superstar chefs, this culture has died down. The appetite for that kind of story with, with the explosion of the Internet has, has increased by a factor of 10 so there's this hunger for like the next new thing. and What's new and what's going to be good and how can I go there and how can I get there before my friend Danny gets there and so I can tell Danny that I went there. He didn't go there.
2: Or so, better yet, Danny can see my Instagram photo. And I'll
0: see my Instagram, I'll go there. So, you know, there's this huge appetite for uh, the next new thing. Um, and the next new thing is like sort of sometimes sitting there and going, wow, you know, what just happened to me? You know, I'm sure if you ask the great, I mean... I, people can argue about who say say New York city who were the you know who were the super, you know super who uh, who who were the stars so you talk you know, most of them um in the last certainly the ones who came up in the last ten fifteen years uh the restaurants that they started uh you, you talk about david Chang you talk about april bloomfield spotted pig david Chang obviously Momofuku fuku noodle bar um those their restaurants were already uh, phenomenons by the time that critics like, say, me or the New York Times got around to reviewing them. Not not so much me.
2: I have a theory about those two restaurants, which I will talk about as soon as we come back from our break. We need to take a quick break to find out who our amazing sponsors are. Stay with us.
1: Have you tasted the world's best cheese? Grand Cru Souchois is the 2016 World Cheese Champion. Our partners at Roth, Wisconsin, make this gorgeous alpine-style cheese in the rolling hills of Green County, Wisconsin. Grand Cru Surchois is produced by hand in Swiss copper vats and finished by aging on spruce planks. The quality milk and careful craftsmanship bring out the award-winning light floral notes, nutty undertones, a hint of fruitiness, and a mellow finish. Perfect with Riesling and Muscat, Grand Cru Sanchois is a guaranteed hit for any occasion. Check out their other offerings at RothCheese.com. You'll discover Buttermilk Blue and their newest release, Prairie Sunset, the golden-hued love child of Mimolette and Gouda. You'll also find recipes like the Raclette Reuben and Tomato Tartlets. Everything you need to know about the world's best cheese is at RothCheese.com.
2: Well, if you've just joined us and you're wondering what the hell you clicked on, this is Tech Bytes, the weekly radio show on the Heritage Radio Network, where we talk about the intersection of food and technology. And today we are talking with New York Magazine's restaurant critic Adam Platt about the enormous and profound effect that digital media, blogging, social media, Instagram, Twitter, and all of that has had on his profession and on the restaurant industry as a whole when we jumped off for the break we were talking about the rise of the modern day superstar chefs like Dave Chang and April Bloomfield and their rise is a little bit different from the rise of the previous generation of superstars like Jean Georges and Danielle who rose up in a classical sense through great kitchens, opened their own kitchens and then like machines started to acquire the reviews and the awards and the followings Back in the day when media was print oriented, yeah. Dave...
0: they, they were then those no chefs that we're talking about were known to the cognoscenti before they burst onto the scene. They were whoever the, uh, from
2: dining room experience mostly, or from
0: they knew them. I mean, they yep. were they were it was like uh, uh, big league baseball scouts who heard about these prospects coming up through the minors. So the scouts knew about them, but the 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 fans at large did not. Uh, Thanks to modern technology and the new world that we inhabit, it's almost the other way around now. Uh, both, both David Chang and April Bloomfield uh, but April Bloomfield op- opened, a, uh, we all know, the Spotted Pig, which was really a gastropub. It was really a bar. She was a chef of, uh, well, well, not, not so well-known, but her, Ken Friedman, who recruited her, knew her from London. She worked at the River Cafe, brought her over. Chang had, uh, you know, basically... Came out Café Boulou. Uh, not cabin Balloon. It was, it was uh, uh, he, he worked for Tom Colicchio at Kraft. He, he worked, I mean, he, 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 he as he has said and would, would tell people he did work not that well in a big, uh, big, uh, you know, fancy kitchen. I mean, and basically what he did and it, it, he wasn't the first chef to do it, but, um, he was certainly one of the most visible As he said, yeah, the, the, the heck with this. I am going to go find a cheap piece of rent, cheap piece of real estate, which turned out to be the Lower East Side, not Lower East Side, East Village. I, I think probably near near where he lived, and I'm going to cook the kind of food that I like to cook, like to eat when I was growing up. I ramen and a sort of a sort of a sort of a umami laced fusion of uh, you know the kind of Korean American cooking that he had as a kid and the kind of th- stuff that chefs like and, in, and April sort of the same, you know, yep. she, and in both those cases, uh, they were reviewed in, in New York, they were reviewed. Um, I didn't review either of those restaurants. They were reviewed by, uh, the underground gourmet, uh, critics. And, and also they caught on online and both. I, I ironically had this iconic dish, which was either easily photographed or
2: talked about. People
0: talked explained. about it incessantly. And with April, it was her famous burger with Roquefort cheese and God knows what else. And of course, with Chang, it was the the uh, the pork bun. And I remember going to Chang's restaurant early on, and he had the pork bun, but he also had a chicken bun, which was much like the pork bun, um, you know, in, in a steamed. You know, Chinatown bun, and I think they had scallions on it, and the hoisin chick- sauce. Yeah, the, well, the hoisin is on the uh, is on the pork. It may be, but the chicken. I think he had. I don't know what, but it was the chicken was cr- very cr- cr- crispy skinned, like you would you get in Chinatown. You know, the, mm-hmm. the, and I thought it was delicious. I thought it was better than the pork bun. I was like, wow, that chicken bun.
2: <laughs> not, not as much traction
0: no, not everybody <laughs> agreed with the mandarin so the chicken bun soon went the way of the you know went the way of the you know the auk the, the and the pork bun flourished and went you know it was the, it was the pork bun that ate new york and the, and the entire world
2: here's my never publicized but one of my i i do believe one of my theories about the success of dave chang and the Momofuku Empire. I'm a fan of his. Sure. I like the restaurants. I've eaten in all of the restaurants. Mm-hmm. Similar to April at the Spotted Pig, mm-hmm. when Dave was opening the first Momofuku, I heard about it through chef friends, yep. who said, oh, you have to go down. Yep. Dave, he's from this restaurant, he's from yep. that restaurant. You've got to have this ramen. Yep. So I went down there. And then I heard about it from other people. At the very beginning, I think for the first maybe even 10 years of the Momofuku Empire, Mm -hmm. he never had a publicist, and neither did April. So every person who went in there from the media had to deal directly with him, had to get in touch with him if you could, because that becomes increasingly more and more difficult. And every time they write about him and he becomes successful, I think a lot of people had personal affection and affinity for it, helped promote it, and then when it was successful, felt that they were part of that tide that that brought that ship up. So I think people had an investment going into it that then was, you know, yeah. accrued interest so that everyone yeah. got to share a little bit in the success and then continue yeah. the Maybe, success. You know, and
0: one of the things that uh, and I think uh, Ken, Ken Freeman, who started the spotted pig, Ken Freeman um, came to restaurants. Um, from the music, music world,
2: which is, is, kind, is of perfect. Perfect.
0: It kind of perfect. Was kind of so he was a, used to producing. He was a, he was a producer, and he's told me, and um, I, I'm sure he's told other people, uh, that the 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 new uh, digital culture was is, is a perfect venue for telling stories, and so he would think up storylines and ways of telling the story of this perfect burger or whatever the, you know, the th- thing is that they were trying to say April stories and how we've got a pig and we're going to you know, do a pig dinner on Sunday or whatever. And Chang is a, was a genius at that too. And also Chang um, and April, um, because their operations were relatively small, uh, they could change things. You know, they could change very nimble, very nimble, very could change and try things out. I mean, famously, Ch- uh, David Chang's the, uh, the second restaurant, the, Sambar. Uh, Sambar, was a was a disaster in the beginning.
2: Ill-fated Korean Chipotle. Ch- <laughs> Korean Chipotle serving these
0: weird, uh, you know, c- Korean, uh, you know, uh, burrito
2: rolls, burrito things. rolls.
0: People were like, uh, well, this is horrible. And so then he changed it because it was small enough. Right. And, he, you know, it, and he's done that consistently. I think I think he's a very good you know, he's a very good innovator. He's got very good business ideas, and the focus with both of them has really been on what's going on here in the kitchen and how am I going to change it and how am I going get better for. Her. And I'm sure that they're talking to each other about how you know what what does this taste like. You know, the the kitchen is a, is a, is a laboratory for them, which you can almost see. You can almost see. And Chang's doing it now with this restaurant Nishi, which is a, was badly reviewed and very great profile of uh, Pete Wells and the Times. Pete Wells is the, is the New York Times critic. But it was a p- profile of Wells and the New Yorker which was interesting because it was written and it, it, it perpetuated, it's, it, in some degree, I mean it's true, but it was written it, it was the old-fashioned view of the restaurant critic that we have talked about. The Mandarin who makes or breaks. The poor sniveling chefs. right? Which to a certain degree is true, but also to a certain degree... Is not true anymore, and it's, it's certainly not true of David Chang. And there's a gr- the great scene. There's a great scene in that um, that story. The, the story is p- part of the theme that runs through it. Is uh, Pete or Wells is reviewing Nishi. And he's dealing with Chang and Chang like any you know, critics. Chefs are like my guy. You know, they they can't. You know, it's their baby. They can't help being hysterical. They're, 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 this is great scene where Chang is like on the phone with the great Mandarin, saying, "Oh my God, what am I? You th- know, oh no." no. So in that sense, it does not change. But he has been. If you've been back to that restaurant, which Nishi, which is sort of in the in the Momofuku mold, it's you know, they're loud and small, and uh, the food is uh. uh you know heavily flavored and it, it it's changing it's changing quite a lot rapidly quite rapidly and people are still going and take pictures and so it's an it's an evolutionary process you can see and yeah that's really because well, of the internet and that's not such a bad thing
2: well part of what internet culture allows us to do is just iterate and reiterate extremely rapidly and while we have so many sources and so many things and you know thousands and thousands of pictures going by the Instagram feed Going back to something that you said earlier, you know, at the beginning with your review with Anissa, you know, you had a few restaurants you Mm -hmm. were looking at, you were Mm -hmm. actually able to go out and discover things. Mm -hmm. Now it's a deluge of things. Mm -hmm. Has it become so great, the deluge of information, that you can almost rise above it and just turn it off? Do you ever turn it off and just go back to a very sort of analog, natural way of discovering things? And would that take you outside the everyday? Or are you obligated uh, to just swim swim with it? If
0: it's me, I'm obligated to swim with it because it's my job. I have to look – I have to – you know, you have to sort of swim with it.
2: Has it but, exponentially multiplied the number of things that you have to pay attention to now, Russia Or Morris? not pay attention to.
0: <laughs> I mean, everything – that's the thing, obviously, about the new, the new digital culture is every, all the information is there for you at any time. It's all at your fingertips. And, uh, and all these restaurants that I go and review and that I, quote, unquote, discover – are packed with people who discovered them, uh, you know, months before. Uh, this was all actually also, by the way, true in the pre-digital era in New York because people were just wired into it, and it was like, yeah. But the 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 thing that is, the, I think, the challenge in the in the uh, uh, loud, uh, semi-hysterical digital age in the restaurant world has always been the challenge is that. Um, in the world of the blog, in the world of the, you know, what's new, what's great, I love it, I love it, what's new, uh, there's it, it, there's a lot of cheerleading, and there's not a lot of negativity. People don't want to hear that this thing tastes bad. They don't want to hear that it's, you know, what a, what a, you know, what, yeah. Well... They're, I'm just saying from the digi- if you look at the, the if you look at the early grub street you look really, like, that's it, true it's like, a- and I uh, my my comparison was uh, seals on a rock clapping away just clapping <laughs> just oh that's great oh that's wonderful oh that's why well, I love that that's wonderful and a lot of it is a subject of it's a function of information. you got to get stuff out. It's a function of uh, being positive, because people will, will, will read it. And it's like, oh, that's great. I, that burger is the best burger. I love that burger. You know, heat maps. So the burger heat maps are like, right now, poke. Like, poke is really hot. Yes,
2: it is. So what?
0: Poke. I mean, I don't know. A poke. A poke. It, you have to have something hot. You have to have something that gets people going. And this is a, I think this is a, this is, this is a you know, it's a digital phenomenon. And uh, it's a little exhausting for an old-fashioned jaundiced critic like me.
2: So, what's your what's your long view then? What do you think the next turn is going to be, or what are your predictions for going forward? Is it just uh, more? Does it well, reach listen, a tipping listen, point?
0: No, the longer you know, the the, the the long view is that um, I think that uh, I, I think in the story that I wrote, it was like I, I'm not uh, uh, the. These digital forums have all evolved. We talked about mm-hmm. Eater. Yep. Eater is now has uh, full-time critics, very good right. critics, I mean, although Eater is the exception.
3: Well, uh, you, have, you have other have...
0: sites. A more, a more, yeah. a more, a more um, uh, representational site uh, would be Infatuation, mm-hmm. uh, which you uh, – Infatuation is very useful, actually. Um, it's uh, uh, They do a lot of lists, a lot of listicles, you know, right. top ten stuff, you know, the best dim sum in Chinatown, where to get a – Uh, You know where where, where to go in Flushing for Thai food. It's very useful, but there's it's 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 relentlessly enthusiastic, right? So much like Zagat, it's it's relentlessly enthusiastic, uh, but it's a very good tool, right? The same way Michelin guides are. It's not it's not a it's not necessarily a a, a, a digital. uh, Like I was saying, the food world is is. It, it, it's, it's fueled on... has been fueled on enthusiasm for a long time. Uh, but that's magnified in, 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 in this digital age. So I see, like, you know, there's going to be more of that, so that's fine. But, it, you know, the, the, the tr- trick is, is basically you have to ultimately you have to go there yourself. <laughs> and, and hopefully uh, the, the critical voices will survive. You know, it, obviously, as Pete Wells has proven, a bad review gets a lot of attention, too. Yes. Online. Yes. Now now and then. It does. Well, you can't make a habit of it. You can't do it all the time, but it does get attention if it's, you know, well well thought out. And there are certain, the Internet has certain people that is in the food world that they, you know, if you want to say something about bad about whatever, uh, the latest weird thing that Taco Bell has turned out, the weird about the troubles of uh, Chipotle, about Guy Fieri. If you want to talk about that, people are happy to pile on. So, you you know, that's, uh, that's, you know, I, I think that's more like bear baiting than anything else. But it is, it, it is something that happens in the digital, in the digital world.
2: The negative criticism now is almost uh, exclusively in the public forum now. Most of the negative Yelp. commentary you know, comes Yelp. from know, comments and Twitters and Yelp and all I mean, of that. Do you
0: read comments anymore? I don't read comments.
2: No, I'm curious to know the number of comments, though. If I look at a review and there are over a thousand comments on it, that says something to me.
0: Well, it means people generate, somebody's generated, uh, you know, the, uh, the other thing that's happened with the old, I mean, I'm sad to say the old-fashioned reviews, the kind that I write, that Pete Wells writes, um, when I started uh, writing them and they were first online... Uh, and they were on the line of the magazine's website. They were the, among easily the most read things on there. Right now, as the as these websites uh, mature and the the, the the editors go after a more national audience, food, the passion, food is a passion for everybody. But it's it tends to be the pa- passion about New York restaurants is still in New York. So. New York Magazine now, the, the, or the website, the media, New York media, they, have, they don't just have a, they, they, you know, they do Hollywood, they do culture, they do, the, they do the world. And so within that great maelstrom, the New York critics' review of, uh, you know, your favorite pizza joint or whatever it may be, is passionately read by a small number of people. But, it, you know, related to the rest of the traffic, it's not as big as it was. So, uh, you know, in fact, the opening of that pizza joint will probably get more traffic than your review. So, you know, you have to find ways to try and engage people in this kind of uh, environment. For the old fashioned critic, it's getting harder and harder. And one of the ways you do it is to write the occasional uh, slam.
2: Mm. Well, and occasionally you probably do have less than great meals.
0: Well, Well, you 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 have them all the time. You know, you have them. All, you have them all the time. Um, it, it's a it's a much more democratic. Uh, the, the dining world in New York. I'm, I'm just going to talk about New York, but I think it's true all over the country. There's there's much better food all over the country, but the great food is harder to find. So it's a much more. It's a two. It's been said a hundred times. But it, you know, if you're talking about the, the the ratings, four stars to three stars to two. It's really a two star world. There's two stars there's delicious food all over the place. There are wonderful hamburgers, there's pizza, but the, the, those more rarefied places are harder, harder to find. Certainly, especially in New York city where the rents are so high, it's, it's hard. You know, th- th- those restaurants don't open very much in New York anymore.
2: Yep. That is true. Rent is a rent and all the rising costs of everything are, are definitely making a tough, a tough impact and, on the restaurant. You know,
0: world. You know, ult- you know ultimately, I, like we, uh, there's the a story that I wrote about the, the blogs, um, uh, the chef called Alex Stupak. who's was a very media, a great chef, very media savvy. Cla- His trajectory is classic. He, he was a, uh, an award-winning pastry chef, um, um, and decided to open up a, a, a taco taco restaurant, like a fancy, fancy. So he has a series of fancy, uh, you know, up. But it's tacos for comfort food. It's so an upmarket comfort restaurant. And he was talking about the internet, and he's saying, you know, you'll get a lot of attention. Um, online and so you have to tell stories, you have to get people's attention but that attention is going to disappear as quickly as it came so you're, certainly in New York uh, you better have a neighborhood audience who's just coming to you because you're a good restaurant in the neighborhood because without that you're not going to survive because it's like really the, 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 the digital consumer is like a giant school of fish you know, they're coming and they're going and then they're on to the next thing and so you better you, you better cultivate, uh, which is why the bar restaurant is such a you know such a, a, a staple in this day and age. You know, spot of pigs, the bar restaurant, uh, Chang's restaurants, are really sort of bar restaurants,
2: They're sort of nighttime coffee shops. Yeah,
0: you know, so you better cultivate that local, uh, non digital uh, constituency because ultimately that's how you're going to sink or swim.
2: Well, unfortunately, we are out of time, and I'm sad about that because. I think we could talk with Adam for hours and hours, hours certainly at least over hours. the course of a really long, super expensive meal. Yeah,
0: but we gotta check our phones. Now.
2: <laughs> I will ask you one last question before you right. go. What do you see right. coming what? in 2017? Uh, Either uh, food trends. Any trend from your from your Mandarin Tower? What do you see on the horizon?
0: What Do we see from the Mandarin Tower? Now t- we'll, we'll talk about New York. Mandarin Tower, in New York. You have you have a, a with the Shake Shack and Danny Meyer's great sort of burger bonanza, uh, all all the great chefs or the accomplished chefs are just this just this just desperate scrabble for what is called the fast casual part of the the, the dining dollar. So you have the Changs, you have the blue, you have April Bluefield just opened. You know, she's opened another burger joint. She's opened the Butcher Shop, which serves sandwiches. Chang's got his fried chicken sandwiches. So, so they're all just just trying to get in on that um, uh, action. And uh, which is, again, not a bad thing. I, I love to eat fried chicken sandwiches. So there's a lot of that uh, veggie burgers, uh, right. you know. Um, and at the same time, the grand restaurants, the money, it's all predicated on real estate. And so uh, what you ha- what you have in this coming year is you have the opening of uh, the old guard restaurateurs, uh, Keith McNally, Balthazar, uh, of fame is one. He's opening a new restaurant in the same, in the same, um,
2: uh, Augustine,
0: uh, Augustine in the same, I believe it's a hotel, uh, as Tom Caliccio. They're lo- literally right across from each other. Um, uh, Danny Meyer's opening a new union square cafe, sort of a reboot a modern reboot of that. um, um in New York, the, I think the Union Square Cafe is not that. But it, in, in New York, uh, these more ambitious projects tend to uh, rely on uh, a, a real estate, some kind of real estate deal, whether it's an hotel lobby or a development that, that gives them a good deal. So you can see a lot more of that. So it's like it's like some the,
2: larger real estate it's entity. It's big money. It's yep. big
0: money. stuff. It's the, the, the kind you of, can't
2: afford to be a standalone anymore.
0: Right. And the kind of food is not necessarily Augustine. It's more like it's like high brasserie. It's not gourmet. You're not seeing a lot of uh, old fashioned gourmet restaurants opening. You're seeing these high brasseries and you're seeing fast casual. And there's just a numerous pizza joints and burger joints and those things in between. And a lot of bar restaurants. So more of the same, but more so.
2: Okay, more of the same, more so. Okay. Well, I'm sorry that this is all the time we have, but if you like this episode and you want to listen to it over and over and over again, (laughs) you can go to heritageradionetwork.org. Go to the Tech Bytes page. Um, If you like this show, if you really love it and want to keep us on the air, click the beating heart and... Throw us, you know, maybe what you spent on a Starbucks coffee today. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit, and we rely entirely on our members and sponsors to keep the radio on the airwaves. If you click Tech Bytes as the reason for your donation, I will send you the potluck PDF cookbook, Winter is Coming. I hope you enjoyed the show. Come back and see us again. Tech Bites Thursdays at 11 a.m. I'm Jennifer Leuzzi. Thanks for joining.